He gives her a four foot vagina is what he does. <laughs> well, so you're saying that's not every man's dream? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't want one I can climb in. Maybe if it was a four foot vagina that I took another woman in with me. <laughs> normal episode of the um, podcast and this is the we'll call it Halloween special because I'm feeling so special one because I am kind of special and in, in the good way not the like he's a bit special but I've also got two very special people with me today and we're going to be talking about some scary films and we're hopefully going to get this one all uploaded while it's still spooky season, which means I've got about 36 hours. So <laughs> without pausing anymore, without any further hesitation, of course, with me, as always, is my co-host, Tim. Hello, Tim. Welcome to Farai. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm, oh, well, actually, maybe I'll wait till we introduce our third guest, but I'm curious uh, where Halloween ranks for you in the pantheon of, of holidays. Don't worry, Tim. There'll be time. But, uh, but I only encourage your enthusiasm. Because you're introducing me. I'm doing great, man. How are you? This fine afternoon. Feeling a bit under pressure to deliver the goods today, I have to say. I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm not um, a great watcher of horror films, so I'm trying to piece it together bit by bit. Oh, it's not just me. Good. Yeah. And that voice was... The ever-impressive Tara. Tara, how are you? Welcome <laughs> back, baby! <laughs> hey, baby! Happy to be with you guys this morning. Happy to be with you to talk these movies because I also am not much of a horror movie watcher. I'm much more likely to read my horror than to watch yeah. it. So what we're saying is this is going to be a calamitous from the off. Well, never mind. <laughs> at least at least people have got something to listen to. <laughs> Our natural charm and charisma will have to follow us through. Now, Tim... As far as where does it rank in my list of Halloween? Well, we didn't, it's a very recent thing in England that we even bothered with Halloween. But I, I think it's, yeah, with, there's quite a lot of online patter about it, isn't there? It's nice to focus things like films and reading and good to encounter enthusiasm. And I think Halloween's yep. one of those things that generates enthusiasm. So as far as ranking goes, we don't really, we don't really make much of a hoo-ha about bank holidays. People just have an extra day in the pub so it's more of a, an american fascination than it is here we don't generally celebrate anything other than not having to go to work i kind of feel like matt does all of it <laughs> but i do think like looking at it as a season is, is coming to me more because the emphasis on one night is too harsh and around here it is a big adult holiday but if i look at it as a time to revisit certain kinds of reading and certain kinds of films i'm enjoying that better and it's quite unique in that way, isn't it? Where there is an it abundance is. of content, unlike Christmas mm -hmm. or Easter and stuff like that. Like we've tried to do 
um, spotlight sections on previous podcasts. And it's always been a bit of a struggle. You definitely feel it switch over to October. And I know I'm biased because my birthday's in that month. <laughs> There's certain channels I used to not even turn towards because I was scared. So I, I felt more empowered this year because we were watching spooky stuff. Yeah, I, I kind of felt that way. I was always quite a, an easily scared child. So I'd always like to think that I could handle them. And then you realize that that VHS of uh, Hellraiser <laughs> has now been watched in 12 individual parts. <laughs> in, exactly. In, in, in increasing states of daylight, might I add. <laughs> I'm big on the daylight watch too. That's funny that you said that. And, and my back against the wall. My back has to be against the wall. And your toes on over the edge of the sofa. You just pull exactly. it in a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little. (laughs) Because, you know, the the monster on the other side of the edge of the sofa, my leg speed is going to be at his arm speed, irrespective. If anything did pop its head up, I'm going to totally deal with it. I'm not going to (laughs) freeze. But that extra inch is what's going to make the difference of survival. (laughs) That's it. That's got to be it. If it's on a tablet and it gets, I can't take the tension, I'll just minimize it on the screen. So Yes. <laughs> I will go to my phone purposely at this point. <laughs> to make it as small as possible. Or I start, or I, I start just holding it a little bit further. Like yes. having, the sc- having the screen at arm's length somehow counters the fear. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I'll fast forward in intense scenes just, just to get to it. Just like, I can't take anymore. Just like, let me see what happens, you know? Right, right. Yeah. The pre-check. Isn't it funny, as a genre, it's kind of almost the cinematic version of spicy food where you're, you're, yes. you're, you're legitimately putting yourself through something that is not enjoyable. Kind of right. like, I'll look at the amount of chilies on the Indian takeaway menu <laughs> and i'll go right let's go for should we go for three shall we go for four and at that moment i'm like right i can't wait to get this gel frazy scrammed can't cannot wait and then a couple of mouthfuls i'm like fucking hell this is gonna hurt <laughs> <laughs> and I, can, I, I can always already feel my belly going dude we're gonna be up all night like it takes me <laughs> take some indigestion medicine now <laughs> <laughs> so the three films that we're going to be talking about today are Halloween Ends, Barbarian, and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So I'm interested in hearing what Tim and Tara have to say about these individually. And then when we wrap it up at the end, and hopefully we've just blown your minds with the level of insight. Tim's here, so we're one third of the way away. Now, I feel like Tara might be able to pull this off, but I'm not going <laughs> to... <laughs> if we we're gonna, if we we're expecting me to be <laughs> relied upon for this, and I think we're in trouble already. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Halloween ends. It is, of course, the final piece of the uh, requel uh, trilogy, and it has Jamie Lee Curtis as expected. It has Andy Majak, I believe. I probably said that wrong, and Rowan Campbell. Now, Tim, going into this, were you excited? How did you feel after the first two installments of the requel? I was excited for it. I enjoyed the first installment of the requel very much, uh, just because it was nice to see, you know, that was very exciting and, and I thought fun to watch because 
it was fun to see, you know, the reboot of like Jamie Lee or bringing Jamie Lee back, of course, is like the, is like, is the title card for all of this. And so that was exciting. I think the second one was mostly fine. I, I didn't understand the hospital stuff. Like it was so on the nose and like horrible, just so yes. painful to watch. It's horrible to watch. Yeah. Just truly egregious. Like it, it that to me ruined like whatever good stuff in that movie there was. Um, Evil I did, like, dies tonight. Evil uh, dies tonight. Just, <laughs> just so bad, dude. I mean, come it's on. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't. There's nothing to say about it. It's terrible. Oh man. So do we? Did we cover that one? I, I remember. I don't remember if we did or not, but it was so no, bad. We wouldn't have done that. Was... That notwithstanding, I was really excited for this one because I thought they could maybe land the plane. I knew it was going to be Jamie Lee's last, you know, foray as Laurie, and that was exciting as well. So I, my level of excitement was like, I would say medium to high. I really liked this movie. I did not love this movie, but I liked it. I thought it had a fresh kind of twist on like the legacy of Michael Myers, the so-called new Michael Myers. I liked it how, how they that legacy and, and and in doing so attempting to at least with jamie lee the whole time is talking about like how this kid as we go further into the the film like and he's doing weird stuff like well, this reminds me of michael it's sort of a way of inquiring or interrogating michael myers development or origin without doing an origin story which is so passe and annoying exactly. and so exactly. i thought that was a nice interesting way of doing that and i think it for the most part paid off I just wanted more Michael Myers in the movie. I mean, that, yes. that's, that would be my one criticism, I would say. My main, well, I would say my main criticism, just on a 30,000 foot level as a conceptual level, uh, point. Definitely agree with that. It felt like he was more of a, um, not an afterthought, but just more of a minor player in it yeah. than I expected. I felt that they had the idea, as you perfectly put him, they used it as an origin story um, without an origin mm -hmm. story. They did almost like the sympathetic villain, the misunderstood criminals trope without having to place that directly on Michael Myers because they yep. still kept that quite like enigmatic. But it also, I thought, was very cleverly, they could then do another sequel trilogy with, uh, I think the character's name was Corey, played by Rowan Campbell. So I thought mm -hmm. it served two roles, both a backdoor pilot and a backdoor prequel in one go. Yeah. But I think they were hamstrung with committing to that, with the need for there to be Michael Myers in there. That was the biggest criticism online. But yet we saw how it struggled in the second one of the trilogy to incorporate him without being basically an avatar of evil. The other thing that I liked about the way that they used Michael Myers I interpreted it, it when he was, oh, by the way, there's going to be spoilers throughout this. So just like coming <laughs> in hot, don't get upset. It's spoiler city and we're, we're on the fast train, <laughs> baby. So I liked the way that Jamie Lee Curtis, and this is one of the criticisms, but I saw it as a strength. Instead of becoming this survivalist, ready for anything, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. When he was locked away in the mental institution in case he ever escaped, or like the psychiatric prison, that he was still at large, but she decided to move on and to write the book about basically her experiences with it all in like a survivor's tales. But what I liked about that was I read into that, that especially when, uh, again, Corey was to start with, she was welcoming him to him as the misunderstood kid. But then when the attention went on to him, it's kind of like monsters are only as prominent as the attention they're given. Like Michael Myers became weaker mm. and weaker as he was forgotten. And then it wasn't until Corey was given the attention 
and was pushed almost into that role that he became the monster himself. And yeah. then vis-a-vis towards the end, when Corey encounters Michael Myers, that, that again started to put the attention back on Michael Myers. And that is when he became more prominent. Now, obviously, this is going to be mm-hmm. directly proportionate to screen time. So sort of cinematically, that's just almost a, a statement of truth. But I still think narratively it works is under inspection as well. And these movies, they're so interesting. If you take them as a whole, I guess nine of them at this uh, eight of them, nine of them. How many do we have now? Uh, a sure. very a lot. Anyway, like, I would say it's definitely double figures. Was it Rob Zombie that did the remake? Oh, yeah. Did oh, I forgot that. And one. then there was Halloween H two O as well. Okay, so we have so much of this. It's interesting that this this whole series of films maintains people's interest um, after all that time. The Michael Myers trope is so Amer- so American in certain ways. Like it 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 attaches itself to our very peculiar. I don't know if it's like necessarily Christian or there's something about America. We have this like great interest in moral panic. We have these like waves of moral panic. And and Michael Myers is such a, it's such a perfect avatar for like the American moral panic because it's always a faceless panic. It's always yes. like boogeyman out there. Uh, and it's interesting that in this particular film, the, the boogeyman has a face. It's Corey. We know Corey. It's, it's sort mm. of like it is very transitional in that respect. Um, and it's It's unique amongst all the films that we finally have like a boogeyman with a face rather than the mm-hmm. faceless boogeyman. And I think point. all of your fears can be put onto the faceless boogeyman. I think that's why it's such a, it's such a peculiarly American, I don't know, villain uh, and, and such a great one. And it's such an enduring one. I mean, this is going on since 1978. Yeah. And, it's crazy, isn't it? So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. 70s, 80s, 90s, 90s. Every time it comes out, it just fucking Six kills. Decades. Yeah, people go and they watch it. And and um, I think it has something to do with that facelessness and how whatever the current moral panic is, whatever your fears are under this boogeyman, this faceless, faceless evil. It's interesting that finally we have a face, you know, a known boogeyman that is, that is the new Michael Myers. And could that could be interesting going forward because we, we do have an origin story for this guy if they decide to go forward with it. Whether he can carry a franchise, I have no idea. But mm-hmm. I thought it was a very interesting choice thing about the faceless boogeyman as well it's a blank page for individuals as well so yeah yes totally. that level of interpretation you know hypothetically held it under inspection and have different answers for everybody yeah i think it makes it may make michael myers the, like the greatest uh, of all the horror villains to rank them and consider the big ones hard to imagine someone topping michael myers just in longevity and and true terror I mean, it's really amazing. He never speaks. To me. It's, tr- it's tremendous. It, it's always going to be Freddy for me, Freddy Krueger. I was just thinking the same thing, yeah. Sleep is such an intrinsic thing that I was having a conversation at the local this week, funny enough, how long people can go without sleep. And I said, well, you can mm-hmm. go as long as you can keep your physically keep your eyes open. Like no one's ever died from not sleeping. Where, there is no escaping from Freddy Krueger. Irrespective of where you are, what you do, you can't beat sleep. Whereas I feel yeah. like with Michael yeah. Myers, as long as you're in an open space and you're traveling above walking pace, you've got a good chance. <laughs> but he always seems to get him, you know? Yeah, like, I was going to say, he doesn't tire liberate. though, does he? You're going to tire before he is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He never stops. He's relentless. Yeah. And I love also just like you never, just like you never really know Michael Myers. I mean, you did see his, unfor- unfortunately, you did see his face in the in the pri- in the last installment, which was to me disappointing. And setting that aside, like we know so little about him, 
I would say we've been largely positive about it so far, but I think there are definite things in this that don't hold up to even what the last couple of films did. And I also think yeah. there is there is clear sort of creative choices that didn't work in this as well. I think at the end of the last one, they were basically saying that he's evil incarnate. Every time he kills, he gets stronger. Oh. But then yeah. in this one, he was very much yeah. depicted as an old man where, you know, where Corey basically <laughs> wins and beats him in a fist fight. Yeah. Yeah. Did you yeah. interpret that as reluctance from Michael Myers to fight him because he saw in himself um, a legacy, or do you just think it was poor storytelling? Either way, I, I didn't like it. I didn't think it fitted in. <laughs> I have thoughts too, but I I think I didn't I didn't give them credit enough to be planning it. I guess uh, I I thought that it was an accident instead of a, a deliberate choice. There are times when he seems to gain power. From fighting and times when he just seems like very human suddenly for the first time ever i took the opposite view i thought it was purposeful um and i think okay. i think you get this just from that one flashback somehow you know whatever when he's about to like strangle uh cory that in that first instance where he goes into the, into the, the drain. drain yeah into yeah, the yeah. drain i do think that he let cory beat him up because he saw a legacy i think that was a decision michael myers made um based on all of that and then at the end he's just like fuck this guy i'm just gonna Take him out because he's being a bit. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought he gained his power more at the end, and that was okay. Why. Okay, but... yeah, I read it the other way, but yeah, I could see it being read. That one yeah, I could way. see it both ways. Yeah, and Matt, your question just back to me what I was thinking earlier, which is we don't really ever get a sense from all these films about like the source of his power, like the right. nature of his power, and I wonder if that's a strength or a weakness in these films. I I tend to think it's a strength, the ambiguity. Maybe he's just a very, very, very strong person that can take like a bullet wound or like go into like a fire or whatever, or take like access to the chest. Or maybe he's got some sort of power. I think we're meant to believe he's got a, he's got a kind of power. Um, but what's the nature of that? What is the source of it? We never really know about that. It's yet another instance of like the ambiguity and the not knowing, the facelessness of, of, the, of the evil. We just don't know. And that's scary if you don't know, if you don't know the nature of, of the scary guy's power, it's it's hard to beat the scary guy because you can't accommodate for that. So I don't know. I thought I, it's kind of interesting. We never really get that ever. It's I, I kind of like it. Point. I think. I think I do too because the idea of like a faceless, uh, relentless evil is much more frightening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I'm always very skeptical of. I mean, look what happened with Predator when they tried to do the requel on that. They didn't do a good enough job for it to hold its own weight going forward. Used to say they couldn't do another one, but I'm always a bit skeptical of retroactively changing anything because then that has got to hold weight. I mean, I know like with the whole alien aliens thing, they've already said that the two alien versus predator things are just like one shots and alternate reality sort of things. And it it gets messy. It's very difficult these days to come up with something that's going to um, satiate curiosity that we've we've yeah. read, we've seen, we've heard so many different interpretations of evil that it's it's almost bound to be anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Totally, it makes sense from in a thematic way, but also from a storytelling perspective to keep to keep the source of evil buried. You know, so I, I, I like it. 
I think we all agree that it's a good has been a good choice. I mean, there's so many instances where they could have revealed it or they've never done, and I think it's been a good choice. Once someone's taken that decision, that that's it. It's yeah. there. Yeah. Did you guys think that it's possible that like I I kept having this feeling that Jamie Lee wanted to come back and do it because she had a better chance to do what she wanted with her character instead of doing the other stuff. The idea of her having redemption through writing her memoirs. I, I have to believe yes. I mean, she's mm-hmm. a big enough star that she doesn't have to do anything doesn't want to do and had to have been involved in in her character's final arc in some mm-hmm. way yeah i think the memoiring is was a really nice conclusion to her character and it's an interesting good framing device do you yeah. know what it reminded me of quite a lot it reminded me of um linda hamilton and how obnoxious yes. she was about all the terminator films that followed her terminator films <laughs> do you know what i mean i think leaving things better to the unknown is a great yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I, but I you know, interesting. I'm I'm saying all these. We're all saying all these glowing things about this movie. It's as if we think it's like an A plus movie, and no, I don't it's really. Not, do, not it's bit. definitely not. not. No, mm-hmm. it is not. I never felt tension at all. I didn't feel at any point that I needed to pull my feet back from the edge of the sofa. Yeah, it wasn't actually that scary. Honestly, it was like. No, I was thankful for that. <laughs> Even the previous movie, um, the last one, which I, I did not like really, and I think it was way worse than this one, had moments of like very, very severe tension, like the moments in the woods, like when they got that, the, all those people are in the car and he's just lurking yes. around that like, yes, yes. and he gets up, just like, that was like, and, and they draw it out. That's what these movies, when, when well-oiled, do so well, is they, they have those moments of tension before the payoff. And that's what mm-hmm. all horror movies do well when, they, when they're doing things well. Um, this didn't have any of that, really. I think it's because they wanted to lean into the the ambiguity of Corey too much. What they didn't do well enough was they could have made him more duplicitous, where he's more consciously normal around Jamie Lee Curtis and her granddaughter. Yeah. And then he was more sinister right. from that. So when you put the two together with the eyes of the viewer, knowing that Jamie Lee Curtis is still invested in the relationship going well, that then we as the viewer are like, no, no, he's a bad guy. You've just not seen it yet. He's bad. He's bad. And I also feel that the way that they played the daughter is she was 10 years too old for that rebellious boyfriend role. I didn't feel that worked at all. I didn't buy into somebody in her late 20s, possibly even early 30s, rebelling against a grandmother. You can't tell me who I can fuck. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and there was a specific scene where I felt that the naivety of the writing was expressed in the naivety of a character. When he kills a homeless guy before meeting Michael Myers for the first time, he just rocks up in and goes, oh, yeah, I just killed someone. And then they don't even address yeah. it. She wasn't like, oh, why? Or what? A hug, like, yeah. are you are you okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was like he said, like, it was like he said, yeah, uh, I had a wank before I left the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, st- I'm still a little bit oogly and magoogly. He just says, oh, don't worry about it. Totally. <laughs> it's understandable. Exactly. The whole emotional center of the film did not work at all. At like, all. Like, no. at, like, the whole time, you're still right. It's like, okay, I'm thinking the whole time, like, and I don't remember the granddaughter's name. Um, do you guys remember what her name Allison. was? It was Allison. It was Allison. Allison. Okay. Allison with a Allison. Y, but not where you That's think. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, Allison. That's exactly right. Literally, like, hitting on him in the, in the very first part, like, trying to get his attention. I was like, did I miss something from, like, the previous movie? Was, was he in that? And I just don't know. Like, why is she know. so hard on this guy? Like, going so hard after this guy? Like, is there some kind of backstory I missed? last time and then like all of the um 
crazy shit he does and just like the weird behavior she's just like doesn't seem to notice or care in fact it makes him like him more somehow there is a point in the film though because remember she was present oh no no it's jamie lee curtis that was present um laurie that was present when he's getting picked on and not by jocks these were muscle-bound high school hunks these were people that did a marching band. Right. <laughs> the notorious bullies of any school playground. The marching band. In, <laughs> in, in, with, a, with their father's like um, vintage soft top Mercedes or whatever it was. He's like a 40-year-old. All he needs to do is smack one of them out and the rest of them just fall like flies. But I suppose <laughs> thing that I will give this film credit for is this is the reason why he probably didn't because of the level of expectancy. That opening scene was perfect the first 10 minutes and then it it finished with the climax yeah. of the of the child i did not see any of that coming really I know. and at that point i went fucking hell we've got a film on our hands here this is gonna be yeah, good that... it didn't it didn't live up to it <laughs> yeah. okay i feel like we've done that one i feel i feel yeah. we've done it good done That's it me. good <laughs> yeah. in some I, I liked it i would re- i would recommend it to someone um but it's not like you're not gonna. It's not memorable, really. No. Other than, by the way, the last scene where Michael Myers finally eats his, like, meet, meets his demise. Like when they put him in that grind, I was like, "Fuck! Oh my god!" That that's like, that sticks with you. That is like truly. That was a horrible. visceral moment. Yeah. yeah. But what did she do? Like, did the neighborhood have like a group chat on WhatsApp? Because that that for me, Gavin, very flash mob. (laughs) Yeah, like that that whole situation like came to fruition very sort of quickly. Was anyone else (laughs) expecting Pat Benatar to come out and start singing? Because it reminded me of (laughs) Love Is a Battlefield was happening or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it was just it just felt. When the police come up and it's like, we don't do like it like parade. this. I, and the bloke goes, in this case, we do. Or whatever. It's like, in this case, we do. <laughs> that that kind of reminded me of like the hospital scene. Just like, oh my God. <laughs> just like mob mentality. The effects on that were like, ah, oh, that was hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> that was the okay. only time that I... Would you recommend it? on the understanding that you would also have to get the people to watch part one and part two? Um, probably because you don't get any sense of like who the granddaughter, who Allison is like Jamie Lee Curtis's character arc and writing her memoir does not resonate in the same way. If you don't know about militaristic like thing in the first movie, I would say, yeah, I, I would say you probably should watch the, it does not stand alone in my opinion. I would say that you could quite contently not watch the second part and it makes complete canonic sense. I didn't part see two. the second part. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. I would tell people that Michael kills uh, Allison's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah I kind of knew part. that. So like that's she's a good not, point. Beyond that, like nothing in number two necessarily needs to. Yeah. I would say that's right. I would say that's probably right. They do tell you enough in this film. I felt like briefed second film from spooky season barbarian it written directed by zach cragger um in an ensemble cast that included georgina campbell who i think you could probably put as the lead if there is one bill skarsgård and justin long i loved it (laughs) yeah it was yeah it it had some things that I was expecting and some things I wasn't expecting based on the trailers. 
So really yeah, smart, really yeah. smart marketing, a brave marketing as well. It was because they really do lead you down a different path. If we're going, depending on what we're doing with spoilers, I, this one's been out a little yeah. longer, but yeah, it was new to me. It. Yeah, it was so so it leads you down a path mentally that the movie diverges from. That makes for some of the enjoyment of the ride so for me. In case anybody hasn't seen it, basically a young professional turns up to an Airbnb and there's already somebody else there. And it turns out there's been a bit of a mix up um, and they both end up having to make their minds up who stays and who goes. And obviously with Bill Skarsgård, what perfect casting because he's he's obviously mm-hmm. been, is the kid in Castle Rock, the Stephen King series, which was fucking incredible. It's a crime that no, not enough people watch that. And he was also Pennywise. So all of a sudden you are oh, casting yeah. somebody that is known for villainous roles. And it the trailer basically sets up the tension of, it's not even tension, it's can you trust him? Of course right. you can't. <laughs> it kind of mixes um, the expectations of classic tropes, but it doesn't use them ex- exclusively as subverting expectation. They are both like misdirection and perfectly executed plot vehicles. Yeah, the misdirection was key for me. And, and like you said, like they were also really good narrative elements at the same time. So I, I haven't been, I haven't had that much excitement about a movie like this in a long time. I was constantly on edge the whole way through it. Like it was me one too. of those just complete tension escalation. Like whenever you think it, whenever you think both literally, right. it can't it can't go any deeper or darker. <laughs> right, exactly. It, it, it physically does in the film. There's another subterranean yeah. level to both the tension and the loca- locale of the film. Fucking the, <laughs> the scope gets insane as you go yeah. through the movie. Yeah, I'll just put it that way. I liked the way that it played with like social conventions as well. Because it wasn't oh, me too. It wasn't exclusively horror tropes that were that it was Mm-mm. playing to. It, it was social norms. And I think it did a good way of why I'm always critical of Get Out is I don't think it's a very good film that's given more credit for its social inspection, which I also think is very lazy. Um, the scene that I always use in that film is when the dad's saying, I would have voted for Obama for a third term. And everybody's laughing at him going, ah, look at the silly white man like, trying to curry favour with, with, with the black guy. But as a white audience, that's what the audience were doing, I think, by falsely inspecting how good a film it was. Hmm. The way it was shot was great and it was brave in its pacing, but I thought it was too on the nose. The subtlety in there, I think the subtlety in this with the subtlety in the social conventions of like relationships between um, just men and women and like just the way that people deal with strangers Almost kind of like in the opening scenes when she drives there at night, as, as you were saying before we started um, taping, that she just tries to get in the house and doesn't really notice what's going on around her. And then right. when she comes comes out in the morning, the whole street is derelict <laughs> and hers is the oh. only well-maintained one, which alarm bells would ring anyway. I think also um, when I was watching the beginning part, the way, again, the trailer sets your expectations up. Yeah. Did you guys... I don't know if it was my point of view, so I want to know if you guys did this too. Did you feel yourself sort of weighing out every reaction that she had to him in the beginning? 100%. Okay. Oh, 100%. totally, yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, well, wait, he just did a good thing. Maybe he's not so bad, but it's him. So he's got to be bad, right? You know? He's brilliant and casting. In so that good. Trend. And also he's a, he's a little bit, not like too pushy, but he's kind of like... Over the top a bit. 
Yeah, um, he's he's like it feels like he's putting on like a like almost like a sickly persona, like an apologetic sort of nature of look, we should both stay here. It's fine. Look, I've not opened the wine, so you know that I've not done anything to right. it. Right. You're always just waiting for the moment where he shows his heel turn. Like in the night when she locks the bedroom door, then wakes mm-hmm. up and, and it's, it's just open. a jar. And then you're mm. thinking, it's him. It's got to be him. And then you're right. thinking, oh, maybe there's like a, another, like like maybe it's the person that owns the house. And then right. you can't, he's disappeared. And even when he's disappeared and he's screaming from the bottom of the pit, you think he's trying to lure, lure her in. Yeah. I didn't even consider I didn't even like consider 100% that he wasn't the villain until he was getting his head smashed into the size of the- uh, Same. And like when the the, the incest child of generation just appears and then fucking- That's an introduction, isn't it? Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, and it's the perversion of seeing somebody completely naked. It's shocking. Right. It's It's arresting. You know, immediately at that point, this isn't just a person. Your mind starts trying to work out what's happening. Mm-hmm. There's also like a degree of camp to the movie, which oh yeah, great. The Justin Long character is so so he was excellent. like he was great. He was awesome. The, he wants to decide whether like the creepy fucking tunnels counts for square footage. Yes, the fucking like rape room to to see like whether he can count how many as, dimensions. Yeah, it was so great. It was just such a a, a, a brilliant addition to what is otherwise an a very hard film to watch because you're you're always like clutching you your break yeah you don't get a break there's one word that i'd sum up this film it would be uncertainty that's yeah perfect word i wish they had stuck with that to the very end that's like my mm-hmm. one thing i did not like the last say like five minutes where that's, i, I just true. wanted them to preserve some uncertainty there and to just like maybe i don't know what i don't know what i would have done necessarily differently like i haven't really thought about like how i would have written the ending i don't like that there's an actual like resolution in some sense like a conclusion i want there to be a little well, unknown unknown yeah like keep that that tension going keep after it. the end credits yeah the, i think the, they... the musical choice was enough of a relief for me at the end i didn't need them to wrap up the story that neatly too by the way just in long he is probably the only person that's managed to establish a career exclusively at sea list after so a decade, true. you should disappear or you either hit it big. It's it's just a testament to endurance that he's still having roles. Yeah. <laughs> right. But he has that, there's sort of this like welcomeness of seeing him, at least for me, like there's some sort of charisma yeah, yeah, that he yeah. has that I'm like, oh, I can settle in. He's here. And he's done a few, like a couple of horror films in the past as well, hasn't he? He seems quite selective mm-hmm. about the, the titles that he chooses to be involved. He's a nice guy. I went to college with him. Did you really? He's a really, really nice kid. Just in love. Yeah. You just saved that? You didn't say that before now? Seriously? I was friendly with him. I wouldn't say <laughs> Oh, Jeepers We're... Creepers. Jeepers Creepers, totally. Jeepers Creepers, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jeepers Creepers. Oh, yeah. that was great. Oh, I love that movie. I, I did. did too. Oh, dude, Drag Me to Hell. Yes. Yeah. That one? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I need to watch uh, that again, actually. That movie's amazing. Anyway, he's done a lot of great horror movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have associated it with that either before I watched this film and, and looked into it. I always felt he was more of he was always like the wingman in sort of yes. It, yeah. He was the he was the straight talking best friend. That's how I picture him. Yep. Oh yeah, he's got a lot of that. Just so well cast this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just really yeah, thoughtful. Really. Does all the tropes well. I would absolutely send somebody to the theater to see this. What oh a great yeah. Movie. yeah. 
but I couldn't send to everyone just because of the, the height and tension the whole way. Like my roommate yeah. couldn't see this one, but, but for those of us who can enjoy that sort of thing, absolute recommendation. Yeah. Uh, going back to, uh, or just tying, tying up um, what we were just speaking about. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the thing that I liked, I think as well as you can contain the sort of origin of it, I thought that was done quite well because it didn't actually show any of the gruesome acts, it just showed you- Just that one flashback. Yeah, it showed you, it's just, it's almost the prequel to the prequel. It was kind of like yes. the origin to the origin. Like it like a tipping you, point, it felt like yeah, a tipping like point. It allowed you to fill in the gaps. So in your yes. mind, you, you're visualizing like the heinous cata uh, catalog of deeds that this bloke's stuff. done over that amount of time. Even with that, when Justin's character finds the old man in the basement, who's basically oh been- Oh my God, that part. It, yeah. I, Especially because the black dude said, "Like you've got to, you've got to get out of here before nightfall because she'll come out right. at night. She'll come out then. She'll she'll come out at night. And if you go it's away, like don't come dead. back. And then mm -hmm. he, he he was like, she was like, I've got to go back in and get him. I've got to go back and save him. And he he was like, he said, don't do it because she there's must there's much worse things than her in there. And at that right. point, like my mind. And I think he was just referring to the old man and the deeds that he did. No. And that made me think, that, like, expecting, like, an even more gruesome um, creature or or something even more heinous, like, in the in the subterranean lair. But it was just specifically, like, the person that started all this is much, much worse. So with that in mind, when Justin Long is in that room, I was even then I was constantly on edge thinking that something else is going to come out. Yes. Like, it, it's so... Yeah so subtle in the way that it sort of pushes and directs you to in your mind like like a Darren Brown yes like mind trick where I love Darren Brown when <laughs> yes. when he's when you're watching the film he's putting little seeds in your head like subconsciously that you don't even realize that then pay off in the next scene like it's so astute he's basically with a sickly old man in a room that's got one entrance one exit and every time he he's so he can't even move his arm and lift it up but even with that was terrifying because you think maybe he's going to like lurch towards him with something that's quite as subtle as this. And there is, there is a couple of gory scenes and there are a couple of like, like hack and slash elements to it, but for something that's actually quite cerebral, if I think if you rewatched it, I think all of that would go is because you're not waiting for the thing around the corner. It's the uncertainty of how the story was progressing. Yeah, no, I mean, I have nothing out of that. That's, I completely agree. I love this movie. I do too. Yeah, I did. Oh, the one thing that I didn't like about it, though, was in the final act when it kind of changed direction again and it became like a bit of a monster movie when she, when the monster does come out. It implied a level of intelligence from the beast that wasn't in character with the rest of the film. I can't believe over the 50 years or 40 years that that creature or ill woman She's obviously an up and down to see what's going on. And the amount of people in that Airbnb that this is the first instance that it occurred. So there's been no investigation. There's not been like a slew of people going missing. And if and if so, like, how was that creature not discovered in, in some way? And then when she ran through the concrete wall, <laughs> I thought I thought to myself, well, that's really taken me out of it. Like when the when the black, the homeless black dude like basically says, come in here, she's never. Mm -hmm. She's she's never bothered me before. All right, five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> and then she just plows through like the concrete wall. That's not what this film is. In addition to that, like on the same 
in the same vein, like they do a good job in the in the main portion of the film, like the second act of actually making the creature, I don't know what we're calling her, like somewhat sympathetic. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. You, you can see her motivations are in some, in, like in her view, tender in a way, right? Like she yeah. wants something to love, like a child to, yeah. to nurture that she wasn't right and that, all that stuff so it does a good job with that that whole last scene where she's just like run, rampaging and running around kind of took me out that it undermines that that character development yeah. in a way yeah. can i add to that and say that i thought it was a huge moment for me emotionally when you see her mimicking the video about yeah. child care and saying yeah. the baby, baby the yeah, almost yeah. saying baby yeah that felt like it loaned a lot more like wait what are we really dealing with here yeah you know what horrors have gone on here to make a human being turn into this kind of situation yeah absolutely and it's tie them all together after we speak about bodies 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 but i think again we've Mm -hmm. got a very we've got another film that almost sort of turns the camera a little bit round on you and says what are your expectations what do you think this film's about and then obviously with with yeah even i think with halloween ends i think it did a good job of it it was not sympathetic but it was in a way um exploratory for what is evil how is evil created is that it was there if you wanted it yeah Yeah. it was there if you wanted to engage and they both approached it in different ways the one whose actual crux that is is bodies 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 like it's very deliberate in the way it does it i don't know about you but all this talking about horror films in such a pseudo intellectual way is tiring me out, mate. I've got this. <laughs> Have you got... guys watched um, Terrifier? I hadn't even heard of this until like I went to the yes. comic shop, and I, my uh, the LCS, my uh, the owner was like, "Have you seen Terrifier 2? I was like, "I don't even know what Terrifier One is." And I, I hadn't heard of it either. Apparently, it's like depraved. On uh, the John Campion show about ten days ago, there was yeah, a yeah. mailbag question that said have you guys been to see Terrifier 2 yet? Because people have been puking and passing out in the showings and there's like people oh. been getting like first aid, first aid treatment. So John Campion went, I've never even heard of it. Even Robert <laughs> Meyer and that, who knows fucking everything about every film was like, no, not not really. Last week I watched it because I was like, oh, I need to fucking know what the fuss is about. I mean, this is just fucking brutal hack and slash. It's about the faceless, where did he come from? What are his motivations? Doesn't fucking matter. There's nothing smart about it. It's just a fucking animal cutting people up. <laughs> and the great thing about it is it knows that's what it is. One of the women, he chains up by her legs and tears all the clothes Whoa. off and then and then saws her from bottom to top through the vagina. <laughs> all the way down. It's fucking absolutely gruesome. Yeah. So he spatchcocks her. He gives her a four-foot <laughs> vagina is what he does. <laughs> <laughs> So you're saying that's not every man's dream? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't want one I can climb in. Maybe if it was a four-foot vagina that I took another woman in with me. <laughs> but no, I um, I don't think that would be the dream at all. No, that's my point. Thank you. <laughs> exactly my point. <laughs> We're moving into bodies, bodies, bodies. Okay, bodies, bodies, bodies. <laughs> or as I've been referring to it, Bodies Times Three, which I think is a much better title. I so, like it that way. <laughs> this was directed by uh was it Haliana Rain, Rhine, something like that. And the writer Sarah Delap had come from theatre. 
were who she was, where she was much acclaimed. And this was the first um, cinematic entry from her. It has, again, an ensemble cast, which probably would say if there is a lead, it was Am Amanda Stenberg. It sees the return of Maria Baklova, Baklava, Baklova, Baklova, Baklova. Who obviously had an outstanding, one of the bravest performances I've seen in in um, Borat 2. Uh, Pete Davidson and possibly one of the most handsome men in the world, Lee Pace. It's about a group of friends who have a party when there's a hurricane going on and they play a game of bodies, 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 which is like mafia or werewolf, where you put bits of paper in a bowl. I've never and one played of them. No, neither have I. But <laughs> <laughs> so, and one of them says, uh, "You're the killer," and then they turn the lights out. However, it all starts to go awry. I loved every second of this film. I just thought it was. That's probably not true because I the characters were intentionally like dislikable and they're mm -hmm. like perfectly depicted and perfectly written like so obnoxious and cantankerous and in the way that barbarian had the sort of misdirect in in the marketing to really set the film up after the first act i feel like this was almost um kind of like a clandestine satire like a clandestine yes. sort of dark comedy usually even in the film there's clues or keys alerting people to that's what they're watching even the score or the change in soundtrack, even editing choices, or even the poster wasn't really set up to propose anything sort of even roughly darkly comedic. So as you said, Tari, it's the first film that I felt wasn't written for me, like I'm too old. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, a, yeah. it's like that Gen Z sort of outlook. And what it does brilliantly with it, it doesn't ever go for the slam dunk. Agreed. Well, I'm going to need more than that, Sarah, otherwise we don't have a podcast. <laughs> I kept thinking as it went along, like that I couldn't wait to see it again, knowing what I knew along yeah. each step of the way, because it sort of informs you iteratively throughout the movie about these people bit by bit. And so that your assumptions are sort of overturned repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't tense the whole time because the humor was there to give me breaks, unlike in Barbarian. Yeah, this was an enjoyable ride. And I also was looking up the soundtrack, which is usually a good sign for me. Yeah, definitely. So, definitely. Yeah, the playlist saved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the movie is, the success of the movie depends on each of these mistakes unfolding yes. possibly in a way which the audience can believe. It's a really hard thing to pull off. And kind mm. of like building on what Matt, what you were saying earlier, the movie is successful there because it, it unfolds so naturally. It's not driven by the script per se. It's driven by the characters and their insecurities, interpersonal beefs with one another. And, it, and it, mm -hmm. all of the dominoes that have to fall so unnaturally and they're driven by the characters and in their own in their interpersonal sort of like mm -hmm. shit with one another that mm -hmm. it works so beautifully in that way. I mean, it could fall off the rails at any time because all those dominoes have to fall and have to do it so plausibly and they, and they, they carry mm -hmm. it off. If it weren't drip by drip like that, it wouldn't have worked. Like they couldn't yeah. do a, a full reveal moment that I mean, informs the, whole, the rest of it. It was just moment by moment reveal. Yeah. On 10 of those different like mistakes coming mm -hmm. off, which is naturalistic and they do it because the characters, though not overwritten, you know, like you can, you see like little instances of the way that they kind of actually hate each other. And some of them like, yes. just like eyes each other and already have these like innate, sort of thoughts about like, well, this fucker's gonna, is probably the one because she's a bitch like in real life, you know, right. like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 
in that way, like it's carried off. And I love how they all have these sinister in the sense that they they all truly believe that that each one one another are capable of these heinous sort of like crimes. Because of the way they get on in real life, it's just really nice. I loved it. That's true. Everybody's assuming that they're the one that's got the fidelity and that everybody else is going to let them down. Right, exactly. And then they do it a slightly different way. Each one of them does it in a slightly different way. I just like the, the allegory with the way social media interactions are. And it's kind of like, if we carry on this way, then we're all going to be doomed. But it mm. all stems from a perception of an event that may or may not be true. But each of these people are rallying against the way it's been presented as it sort of blows further and further out of proportion. They're literally standing over a dead body arguing about why someone's podcast is shit. And yes. they're using, and they're using like terminology like I thought you were an ally. And she says, look, guys, I've never told anybody this, but I actually have body dysmorphia. Again, yes. while they're all standing around. And they were like, shut the fuck up. Like, get <laughs> over yourself. Again, allegorically, it just worked perfect. Nobody can see the actual shit happening at their feet because they're too worried about persona. The important things are being missed, i.e. the dead body. Yeah. Because, because they're too busy too, being met up. Because we're too time. fucking busy arguing with each other. Right. Yeah. This sort of Gen Z to Gen X distrust as well with Lee Pace, who played it perfect, innocently brought into the situation. But yet when they wanted an outcast, it was all just completely like, you're too old to understand. You don't get it. You're, I mean, maybe that's me, maybe projecting a little bit, but <laughs> you're excluded from this. We're going to put you out It's got to be you. You don't get it because of all these adjectives that we're going to assign to you because you're old. Yeah, definitely. What did you guys think of uh, Pete Davidson in this? Was it I'm successful? Or... Yeah. I'm, I'm biased in his direction, so I don't know if I'm the right person to ask, but I thought he was great. I was going to take me out of it because mm -hmm. like the Pete Davidson persona, but I felt that works, honestly. Yeah. Kind of the casting in a sense. His persona is so fucking online. Like, not necessarily him per se, but like, the way people talk about him, his like public persona is like is very very mm -hmm. online. And so I thought yeah, it was like yeah. a nice casting choice for the yeah. for the themes that the movie was going. For. True. I went into this one not knowing anything. Like I was blind. I had not seen a trailer. I didn't know anything about it. And I thought it, that strategy is really paying off for me. I did the same thing with Barbarian. Yeah. yeah. Same. Right, just yeah. I just Sorry. saw the trailer. I didn't see anything but the trailer. But yeah. Yeah. It obviously has this meta commentary, but having that function in a film that you can also watch that narratively makes sense, especially with something that goes back to even Agatha Christie, a group of friends that on face value to start mm -hmm. with are, are all getting along merrily as the rope starts to untwine and there's loose little threads come, then you can see actually an yep. adversary within the group. This is not new, but the way that they approached it was. And the way they captured the moment with it too. That's yeah. what set it apart. Yeah. Thinking back to it, the second half of the film was almost entirely the lighting came from mobile phones, which again, That's you can true. there's a metaphor there that can be interpreted. I mean, being sort of wary that once you get down that rabbit hole, you sort of see things that aren't necessarily there, but the actual vessel for social media being the only thing that's illuminating the character's path. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's the point. Interesting. Yeah, did you think you could tell that it came from somebody that was you know, more of a playwright than a screenwriter? Because I thought the way it was staged, the mise-en-scene, there was a theatrical nature to it. Now that you said it, I feel relieved because I couldn't articulate what it was about it. But once you said that, I was like, oh, okay, of course. It almost plays like, um, do you remember Death Trap? Did anybody ever see that? 
very much choreographed in terms of the staging, but it doesn't hit you until later yeah, because yeah. of the way it unfolds. Yeah. What did you think to the reveal at the end? I loved it. <laughs> That's one thing about it. Like I was wondering, you know, how early you guys figured it out. I did not. I did not I, at all. I jaw, jaw dropped on that. But as mm -hmm. the film progressed, I thought the central motif of this would lend itself very well to an accidental death. Like maybe he trips and he falls on a sprinkler or something. Yeah, I love that movie. Some bangers, some bangers, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I I liked how those sort of inquire about the nature and the sources of of evil, what they mm -hmm. are. Uh, I mean, this one doesn't have that, obviously. Bodies, bodies, bodies. But I think it does well, because I, it's I think perceived it does evil. It, it's a perceived right. evil. Yeah, yeah your like, expectations of evil may be more evil than evil is what it seems like it said to me. Yeah, and panic. What when, begets when evil? The root source of the evil was paranoia. Yeah, although I don't um, see bodies, bodies, any of the any of the murders there being sourced by evil per se, but rather by yeah. information or misperception. Yeah, whereas the other ones have like in it something innately evil, like Michael Myers or the or the uh, the pederast in the barbarian movie. But yeah, I mean, it's truly, I mean, they, they both they all are about upending expectations, and they do mm -hmm. well all playing on on tropes of genres in which they are apart. Nicely said. Would you have a favorite, Tim? I think my favorite is probably Barbarian. But Bodies, but I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's tight. So oh, absolutely. We're in agreement. I'm, I, I don't know if you are sorry to hear that or glad to hear it. But yeah, Halloween Ends just did what it set out to do, which I didn't feel like was much. So I was yeah, yeah. almost happily surprised by the little bit it did. And then the other two were uh, above and beyond to me in a way that I can't tell you which one I would want to toss out. I'm going to go bodies, bodies, bodies for the pure, simple reason that when it finished, the, the, the final scene in bodies, bodies, bodies um, only illuminated it. Whereas mm -hmm. the final set piece in Barbarian put me off it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 So we've had fun with that. I feel I, I had fun. Did you have fun? Absolutely. Oh, yes. It was good for me. Okay. So shall we wrap it up there? I feel like we've had enough fun for one day. Yeah. <laughs> And also the way that Tim's, the wall behind Tim has gone from nighttime to early morning. <laughs> <laughs> Great time with you guys, as always, when I'm not here, hopefully the two or three of people that are faithfully listening right now might be tempted to, <laughs> to find us elsewhere um, on Twitter at Film Noir Girl, and also uh, doing periodic drops for the House of Nerds Tea Room. It was, it's been a great time, guys. Uh, I loved talking with you about these movies. Loved watching these movies. And I I really love our little like festive like movie shows where we do a little yes. thematic. So it's really, really fun. So maybe, we'll, maybe we can do another holiday one coming up because they're, they're a lot of fun. I wish everybody a happy Halloween. Same yes. to you guys. Indeed. So that just leaves me, doesn't it? So thank you very much, everybody. Now, if you've got this far, subscribe, like, follow, comment, share. Tell everybody how great we are, because I've been Matt. I am your host. Thank you very much for joining me, Tim and Tara. That is it's a good thing to say. <laughs> we have been, and this is the end. <laughs>